She was glancing at the night's TV listings in the standard when she felt the touch of her hand on her bare shoulder. She turned abruptly, shaking her head, and the man studied her with blue eyes full of mischief. Greta was furious. It just isn't done, not on the tube, it's too intimate. While your body's rubbing against other bodies, the last thing you want to do is make eye contact. She looked back at the paper. Saturday night. There was a movie with Jack Black, Channel 5, 9 o'clock. Shame about the commercials. She'd microwave something during the breaks, drink a glass of wine or two. She glanced up. He was looking still. He smiled. Good teeth. She frowned. If she had been in a pub playing pool, she would have liked those playful eyes and broad shoulders. She looked down and then back up again instinctively, as if against her will. He was writing something on his newspaper. He tore off the corner of the page and gave it to her as the train slowed at Gloucester Road. My stop, he said, and squeezed through the sliding doors just before they closed. His name was Richard, and his telephone number had loads of sevens in it. Was it lucky? For him? For her? He was watching her through the carriage window, remaining on the platform like a rock in the churning sea of people. She ostentatiously screwed up the scrap of paper, and he shrugged with indifference as she let it drop to the floor. The train pulled away and he was gone. Greta sighed. She had grown to despise the tube in the time she'd worked in the shop. A shop assistant. How did it happen? Why? Two years at drama school, a year in the cattle market hustling parts, and another birthday in October. She didn't even bother to read the trades anymore. She was 19, that's almost 20. She'd be looking at comfy slippers next. She picked up the piece of paper again and looked at all those lucky sevens. Richard, black jacket, blue shirt, dark jeans, nice tan. The train pulled in at Hammersmith. She stumbled along behind two girls in grey veils and thought about the crowd at Gloucester Road. Well-heeled, closer to the action. As soon as she got home, Greta spread the scrap of paper flat on the kitchen counter. She called the number. She let it ring twice, then hung up. It was ridiculous to call a total stranger. Then it was ridiculous not to. What did she have to lose? There were zillions of blokes she could call. Well, about six, anyway. But they were all so dire, gabbing on about Formula One and football. All after one thing, as if she were a sporting fixture. And yes, she liked that thing as much as the next girl. But she wanted something different, something more ooh-la-la, more je ne sais quoi. She was meant for other things, something better. Not that she believed she was better than anyone else. Indeed, that anyone was better than anyone else. She just thought there was another life out there waiting to happen. She sighed again. All I do is keep sighing, she thought. She lit a cigarette and poured a glass of wine. The first drag and the first sip are the best. Life's like that, an unfulfilled promise. She had played at the royal court in Sloane Square when she was 17. 
She appeared naked every night on stage at the National. She was Polly in the raw edge, a pilot for a soap that had never got made. There had been hundreds of girls up for it, but she'd got the part. At 18, she could play 15. They liked that. She looked like the girl next door who gets tied up and raped. She rather liked being tied up, she thought, as she lifted the receiver, phoned again, hung up again. Tara had wandered in ready for work in a sparkly silver thong and nothing else. Her flatmate was studying law at the London School of Economics and lap danced three nights a week to pay the bills. She was holding a silver stiletto with a broken heel. If it's not one thing, it's another, she moaned. Greta smiled. A man gave me his telephone number on the tube, she said. Lucky thing. I know. She paused to take an extravagant drag on her fag.